fortnightly episode 39, Stocking Up for the End of Winter. In this episode, Bruce Vogue III, John Manis, and Don Dennis talk about CLZ, Invincible, Maya Wolf's Omega Mark, WandaVision, and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Hey, do you know you can go over to podpledge.com and search for Inverse Genius and you'll see our Podpledge page. All that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting costs and we truly appreciate it. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of the Inverse Genius Fortnightly where we talk about stuff we know at least a little bit about. Stuff that excites us and makes us happy to be alive. All right, so today... I'm with two folks who have far too many interests to categorize, talk about, and chit-chat, so we're going to try and limit them to one or five of those. We're going to start by introducing Bruce of the Swarmcast and also of Onboard Games fame. Hey, Bruce. Hey, I'm in so many things, in so many places. There's so much going on. You've listened to these things. You know how to find me. What's the one place? Give me one, one place to send them. Right now, let's pick Party Gamecast. Uh, at Party right, Gamecast then. on Twitter or the PartyGamecast.com. Uh, it's a podcast about party games and games you take to parties. All right. Excellent. And the other gentleman we have here with us tonight, and hopefully we're not stretching that term too strongly, um, is John Manus of the Swarmcast podcast. Hey, John. Hey, how's it going, uh, Fortniters or inverted geniuses? There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That sounds more like <laughs> us, or at least, you know, I'm not going to call our listeners in versus anything, but for us, that <laughs> well, um, so I hope you all have had good geek weeks and uh, found lots of exciting things to talk about since the last time we've gathered either one of you onto the show. Uh, but before we get there, John, where, where can they find you real quick? Uh, you, Give us the details. Okay. You can check us out at swarmcastpodcast.com. Uh, we just dropped a really exciting uh, April 1st uh, episode of the Swarmcast as of the recording of this thing. So you guys should, should hunt that down and check it out. Is it about bees? Sure. If if that's what's going to get you there. It was an April 1st episode. I figured it must be about bees. <laughs> I was going to say, actually, uh, if you go and try to find it, uh, you'll find that there was no episode. Just me hyping up an episode over and over again. Ooh. Ah. So no bees. Pre-episode advertisement. Right. <laughs> no bees. Just, just buzz. Just a lot no of buzz. Bees. Oh. All buzz, no bees. Oh, that would be a good name for a podcast. All buzz, All buzz no, bees. no bees. Nice. Now that we're doing someone else's marketing for them. <laughs> what have you all seen or participated in that has been exciting? And since I see initials for something I know nothing about, John, go dive in. Okay. Well, years and years and years and years ago, then I'll just leave it at that. Um, since I have a massive collection of comic books, I was trying to figure out a good way to organize those and see what I had and see what I needed. All that fun stuff that anybody who's been collecting for comic books for years falls into. And there's a lot of different options out there. Mm. Um, my wife, Ruby, tried to create a, a database for it. But um, two hard drive crashes later, we end up back at, back at ground zero, as it were. And then... Um, a few years after we moved, yeah, a few years after we had moved into our new house, I found an app that I'm using currently to help me do this, and it's a great app, and it's called CLZ Comics, and it's from the these folks at CollectorZ or Collectors.com. Mm. 
And with the app part itself, I'm able to take this app and using my phone, I can scan in the the barcodes on comics or I can sort or I can search through their database and manually add stuff. But I found it's much easier just to scan the barcodes and it adds it into my collection. And then I have all sorts of uh, ways I can sort them. I can say, hey, this is the, the name or the number of the storage box it's in. And then once it's done all that, I can pull reports and metrics, which in, in my, my real job, uh, reports and metrics are what I do all the time. So I'm, I'm awestruck by that. Um, and it's also helped me figure out, well, what things am I missing? What things do I have duplicates of? In fact, I was able to pull a whole bunch of duplicates and get rid of those recently, which was uh, great because I got all sorts of uh, credit at my local comic book store so I can buy more comics to add to my collection. And because of it, I was able to actually fill in a... So my question is, do you get more or less credit than you when you go and sell something at GameStop? Well, I'm selling comics, so um, I'll say I get more credit. About the same. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> About the same. That's what I was going to go okay, okay, okay. Okay. Keep going. Sorry, didn't mean no, to interrupt. No, that's fine. It's um, it's it's been a very handy, very very nice app. It's it's really helped me get this uh, massive monstrosity of of my collection in order. Um, like I said, it's helped me fill in the few gaps of those books that I've been tracking down for a long time, and they've been making a lot of updates and changes to it recently. So a lot of the functionality of how you can sort stuff, the different fields of things you could put in there. Like now I can put in, here's the date that I read this particular book, which is um, I'm doing now. I've started doing this year, 2021, just more to see like, well, how many books did I read in 2021? But there's added functionality where I can go, okay, well, what's the total value of my book, my books based off of just whatever their original cover prices were? Or it can even, um, if you pay for a, it's, it's for the most part, it's free, but if you pay for a subscription, you can then do things like you can, uh, ask it, what's the value of it based off of the grade of the comic books versus the, the current market value or the current value of those books. And it cross references those and can give you that. Um, and they, they just added a feature where if you're missing things in your, in your collection, you can go, cool. Uh, I'm going to hit this button, go find it for me. Show me where I can go find these books that I'm missing. So really fun app. And if you go to, yeah. And if you go to collectorz.com, you'll see they have similar type of database things for movies, books, music, and games. And by games, in this case, they, they really mean, um, video games. So PC or console games. Yeah, I, I think there might be a way to shoehorn board games in there. And I keep dropping hints that, you know, something like this for board games would be really, really good. But uh, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that they've developed that yet. Or maybe they are working on it. Who knows? Or maybe BGG is. I mean, well, they, yeah. like, I think you can even look in their system and that you can see like the uh, not the VIN number. That's what's on a car. Uh, but like the the Isbin is books, Isbin. but I forget like whatever the actual code number is uh-huh. that corresponds directly to the UPC. I think that stuff's even in Board Game Geek. Okay. Yeah, you know what it is. So, it is, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it seems like that would not be a hard step for them. And with the new app they're putting out, they're putting out an app version of the website that I've seen uh, bits of. So maybe maybe that future is coming. That future that that uh, that gamers with their video games and comic books finally get. 
Oh, that'd be great. That's yeah, but but that's a board game discussion, which is a different show. Absolutely, so. and this is awesome <laughs> as a person. I well, like like I don't read a ton of comic books anymore, but I still have probably twenty five long boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you and my brother both. So the thought of like being able to go through and scan. My only problem is is that a lot of my stuff is seventies and eighties. So it's that point where it didn't have the barcode; it just had like Captain America's head. Oh yeah, yeah. Or the right. DC Comics bullet that would cover where like the barcode would have been. Okay. Yeah, because they had a different setup if it was going to comic book shops yep. versus if being it was direct being sold market. In yeah. Yeah. Um, but like I said, the app will let you, you can actually sort, you can go, well, I know it's this series and you can go through and it'll show you because it loads up the pictures of the covers also, which is oh, great. great. So then you can just sit there and put check marks by it and go, oh, I have this, 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 and this. And you can say, add it to my collection. So, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so can you import, if you've got a spreadsheet somewhere, can you import all that? Or do you still have to go through and do it all manually by hand? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Donald. That was one of the first things that we went through <laughs> when we were organizing this thing. Uh, yes, you can export into a CSV file, or you can take a CSV file and import it straight into the thing. Ooh. Nice. So once you get your collection in there, you can pull it out. Mm-hmm. As well. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's I may I may have uh, done that and Free. taken it with me to work at one point to uh, try to figure certain things out. <laughs> you may have taken it to work to impress all of the nerds at work. <laughs> we'll go with that. Look at this database full of comic books nerds. <laughs> I mean, I do have one friend at work, maybe two, who would be impressed by a list like that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would, would say that's. That's unorgan. That's incredibly organized for you, Donald. But I am impressed. <laughs> so one of the, one of the one of the well, one of the more interesting things that I did with this recently was they because they added different search fields, and so I was able to say to have this thing where I pulled up a metric on here's the top ten uh, characters that are in all the books that you have. Um, oh, nice. Oh, that's weird. And since uh, most of the stuff I get's Marvel, so I, I figured it was going to be a Marvel thing. And most of the stuff I get's X Men, so I was like, okay. And my my favorite character is Wolverine. I don't apologize for that. So I figured it would be Wolverine, but no, he's like the number three most appearing in all of my books. Oh, ooh, wow. ooh, okay. So we have to pick. We have to guess who is number one. Stupid Bruce, Cyclops. Who do you think is number- Stupid Cyclops is going to be number one because he's just there. Oh, I was going to say Spider Man. Okay. You know, or Professor X. Uh, Spider-Man is definitely in the top five. I don't remember which one he is, but I don't think he's number two. Um, but number one is Cyclops for pretty much the reason that Bruce mentioned. See? Stupid Cyclops. <laughs> just always stupid there. Like, okay, Wolverine, it's time for you to go to name generic place that doesn't exist in the real world. Go. And then that's the end of what he does. But he just has to be there to, like, tell people things. Right. And then he gets a screw you, bub. And uh, yeah. he's gone. Right. Exactly. He gets like one claw up, and then the next four books are Wolverine. <laughs> Every once in a while, occasional- checking in with Cyclops to make sure we know how Cyclops feels right. about it. Yeah, phones in, phone numbers in from Cyclops. Yep. Well, that's cool. Um, who was the other one? Who was up beside Cyclops? Uh, the number two that it was showing was Beast. Huh. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. That seems unlikely, yeah. right? I mean, there aren't many Beast miniseries that I'm aware of. I mean, there's a couple. I may have them. But you're right. I guess he's just always around, like, patching people up. Well, yeah. Well, for yeah, for a while there, he was uh, just like Wolverine was showing up in everybody's book. For a while there, it seemed like Beast yeah. would be the guy showing up. 
yeah, when like the Avengers would be like, we need to talk to some sciencey guy that's with the uh, that knows stuff about mutants. Well, let's talk to Beast. And Beast was part of the Avengers for the longest time. So some of those Avengers books I've got are ones that have Beast in it. And if you remember what Beast looked like before he got all hairy, mm-hmm. um, it's unlikely, right? It was but just then- like Fraser Crane, right? He turned into a hairy Fraser Crane. Sure, sure. (laughs) We'll go with that. Uh, Well, yeah, okay. Uh, So that's a neat, neat thing. I'm going to have to share this episode with my brother because normally I don't make him listen to all of our podcasts, but he has uh, basically he's insulated his home with long boxes of comics. (laughs) Uh, So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to pass this off to him, and I think he has a spreadsheet. So if he can, you know, do this, what you said, CSV file mm-hmm. and, uh, and do all that, then maybe this is something of interest to him, or maybe he already has it and is just not bothered telling me about it. In which case, Tom, shame on you. <laughs> right. Tom. So that my three boxes of comic books <laughs> sit woefully uncategorized in my other box of, you know, Savage Sword of Conan's. Do, do you, you even know. understand, Tom? There's almost 230 comic books not sorted. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, However, and as a librarian, I think I could have my card removed or revoked <laughs> you know, for, for being completely uncatalogued. So, All right, uh, Bruce, what do you got for us? Okay, so the thing that has grabbed my attention this week, and I- I've tried to figure out how I'm going to talk about this. So I think I'm going to start the thing that grabbed my attention and then like go into its sister things and roots and stuff. Uh, but it's something mm-hmm. in Vegas that's opened up called Omega Mart. Uh, it is a physical location, and I want to make sure I get all of the information. It is at 3215 South Rancho Drive, number 100, in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Don't go until you get your vaccines, folks. Yeah, Don't oh no, by all means. We, and they, right now, will only allow a certain number of people in, and everything's spaced apart. But wait until you've been vaccinated and the world is good to check this out. Um, but they've allowed a limited number of people. And obviously some of the people that are going in are exactly the kind of vloggers that are going to show you everything about it, which is how I've seen it. I did not go in person because uh, I only have uh, my first of two vaccine doses. So I wouldn't do that. But when the world returns back to normal, uh, there is a thing called Meow Wolf. And Meow Wolf is an artist collective that makes these weird interactive spaces. And Meow Wolf is involved. If you start to like look through the credits of all kinds of things, you'll see Meow Wolf has their kind of tendrils into a lot of stuff. Uh, But they make all of their money from these essentially like weird... Um, I believe when I showed it to you, Donald, you used Dadaist, and you're not the first person to have done that uh, in talking about it, but at least abstract, uh, like... Uh, roadside exhibits is how I can best describe it. So, um, yeah, I just I just had to get the money out of my uh, art history education. So uh, <laughs> I understand, yeah. and you are not the first person to say that to me. Although uh, the person I know that had an art history education told me that in Dadaism you should never be able to pinpoint what any of it means, uh, only in as much as that you can see a cloud and say it looks like Abraham Lincoln. Uh, that yes. if, if you if it's any closer to reality than that, you have moved into abstraction and away from Dadaism. That Dadaism has to be completely left field, and you must bring a hundred percent of of reality to it. Um, right, but the first viewing of the Omega Mart feels very much that. Yes. Subsequent viewings, and I hate to admit, especially to you, Bruce, <laughs> that it has had subsequent viewings. <laughs> it's great. Um, but you begin to sort of suss out that it's it's more surreal than. 
Yes. Than completely nonsensical. Indeed. Um, so we'll try to get into hammer into the details a little bit more. So uh, Meow Wolf uh, in 2016 bought an old bowling alley in Santa Fe, I think, New Mexico, and made this giant exhibit uh, called, and I want to make sure I get the name of it right, because uh, that feels like what I should probably do if we're going to talk about it here. Um, it is called the House of Eternal Return. And essentially you walk into like what is a giant warehouse in which there is a regular house, like a single family home. You walk into that. And then as you go around this single family home, things are not quite right. And as you figure out that things are not quite right, all kinds of crazy things can happen. The one thing most people talk about is if you go into the kitchen and you will have noticed things are weird well before then, and you open up the refrigerator door, it opens into a complete wonderland and you walk through the refrigerator into this giant thing. So which the, is completely different from my kitchen, which opens up into a horror show. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. This one is a lot more inspiring than truly horrific. Although I don't know that I would say that of the Omega Mart. Um, so the Omega Mart is, let's take that idea that everything you see is not as it seems. It's an experiential concept and let's bend it into, let's point it right back at you and look at capitalism and consumerism. And that is what the Omega Mart is. Uh, as you look at the building from the outside, it's just a very generic plain building. And I really wish the person who had vlogged this had done this, but up on the building, it tells you coordinates. The guy was like, oh, look, there's the coordinates. And I was like, I bet they're not. I bet that's the coordinates to a completely unrelated place if you would just look it up. Um, and they didn't do it. But outside, there's like a, a crashed airplane that you can see. And you're like, well, what's this crashed airplane have to do with anything? And on the side of the airplane is all kinds of like just things that have been written on it. In most cases in Meow Wolf, they have not only like visual artists and sculptors and engineers and light designers, but they also have puzzle designers. So often things you see in one part are going to connect to something else to give you this larger narrative of what's happening. But you really have to commit yourself to it hmm. if you want to get the whole meaning. Um, but there's like a crashed airplane and you can occasionally hear things in the airplane. And then there's what looks like kind of a, a, a legally not similar iron giant that's been knocked over. <laughs> um, like his big feet are there. And he's there and he's beeping something at you. And there's like a sign that says our protector, but like he's rusted and knocked over. So you don't know what his deal is. Uh, you walk in the building and there is what looks like a supermarket, a no joke actual supermarket and this is the, i think the most important thing to note from 30 feet away it is ostensibly a supermarket you cannot tell anything's different there are displays like the the displays look a little too good and a little too sharp and it almost looks like the supermarket from supermarket sweep like like an idealized supermarket yes definitely very much so everything is lined up and at attention everything is perfect everything's in the exact same like container if it's in an area all of the end caps are perfect pyramids like everything's great once you look around the wheels immediately fire off of it um when you go into the dairy section at one point the whole dairy section glitches so you're looking at like milk, 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 and then one container of milk is stretched into all of its colors for like eight or ten feet. <laughs> and then more milk pops up. Um, when you start to look at the things, now I'm actually going to pull up the Meow Wolf shop here because you can buy some of the things out of the um, Omega Mart. 
Uh, so they, you will see an entire like group of sodas, but when you get close to them, they are non-toxic gender fluid. <laughs> Wait, what? So one of the products is sparkling gender fluid. I need like five bottles of this. Uh, it is by the can. It is $5 a can. You can buy it from them. Uh, gender fluid is a high octane, multi-purpose, industrial strength, sparkling water <laughs> infused with lavender and lemon. Vegan and gluten free. No added sugar. Um, these are on the shelves. <laughs> this is real. You can buy this. So everything has prices. And you sort of think when you look, you're like, oh, gender fluid. Okay, that's fun. Then you realize they made the stuff. <laughs> it's not like it's a joke, but it's not a joke. It is turned in on itself. Um, there's one here. I'm looking at a blitz spray. So it looks like a spray bottle has been bent into a horse. So it's a spray bottle, but like the head of the horse is the top of the spray nozzle. Um, like you would think like 409 or any kind of like kitchen cleaner. Um, that is what represents the horse's head. The body is like it has four feet. So it sort of looks like a horse. Um, it is from a distance. It looks like an actual spray bottle. When you get close, you realize it's sort of a plushie, but it's like a leather plushie. So it's shiny. So it still looks like a bottle. Uh-huh. Uh, and there'll be like a hundred of these on the wall for you to buy. Um, uh, ice melt bottled water. Uh, there's no, definitely not butter air freshener spray. <laughs> so it uses the, uh, uh, how could it not be butter? Like look to it, but it's an air freshener spray. Um, they have like, uh, there's a whale song deodorant. It is a deodorant called whale song with like free willy on the front of it. Uh, you can get cans of tattoo chicken. It's just chicken, but it's been tattooed. Um, and these are real and these are everywhere. And then, um, if you go into certain parts, they've like invented vegetables <laughs> like that don't exist, uh, where it's like Ooh. a daikon radish, but it can run around. Um, so there'll be like radio controlled running around daikon radishes in like a little scene. Um, if you say something to any of the employees like portal, the employees will go, look, I don't know what you're talking about. We're just a normal store. But you see over there at the sodas, maybe you'd like a refreshing soda. And when you open up the soda uh, thing, the soda like refrigerator display, uh, the sodas have glitched into a hallway. <laughs> you walk down the hallway and all of a sudden you're in this giant room that represents the factory for Omega Mart. And you're like, what is this? And then things get real weird there where there's slides. And then there's like the Omega Mart corporate offices where you can get a badge. And once you have a badge, everything says boop me. And you tap the badge to it and you'll open up like employee files and stuff. Um, the huh. whole thing, I the guy that what? I saw didn't do enough to like put the mystery together. Yeah, but, let's let's not not give away all the uh, all the wow. things. But that sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it is incredible. And this is only one part of this giant Meow Wolf building. There's also like a disco that's not a disco and a restaurant <laughs> that is a restaurant, but isn't a restaurant, but is a restaurant. Um, mm. But there's all this stuff there. It's an admission ticket to get in. But like all of it is this real weird, entirely too artsy thing, which is what Meow Wolf does, um, where essentially they found a way to take just the weirdest artists they can find and get them paid off by making just the weirdest surrealistic stuff that looks good enough to the eye that you don't know it's a problem till you get on top of it. And then you're like, oh, what are we doing here? What is this? Why is this made out of eyeballs? I'm uh -huh. all in. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. 
the the what got me the final step for me was when I finally realized about 15 minutes into this guy's video that I watched that you could buy everything. <laughs> uh, that was when I really I was like, oh no. They did it if it's not like some things have a plexiglass barrier in front of them because they clearly don't want you to touch them because there's like like the daikon radishes that are running around or in like a protected area. But everything else has a price tag. And that is because you can buy it because I recognized one thing. Um, I have an action figure in a um, uh, shadow box that is leg. And all it is is a doll leg in a fully made packaging that says it's leg. Don't worry. It man's leg. <laughs> um, leg includes foot and they had a bunch of them on the shelf you could buy and i was like that's why he had so many extra of this available he made them for the for the omega mart huh. um there's there's also like a, a crappy bag of horses that you would buy at like a dollar store that's marked giant dogs huh. <laughs> so i would say that th- this whole thing feels like if the venture brothers had a shopping mall Yes. This is what it would say. Or uh, a lot of people talk about what was it called? T- was it Tom and Eric? Yeah. Okay. Is that what was Unfamiliar. The, there was yeah the the live action thing that was on that like Cartoon Network Adult Swim, Dave and Eric or Tom and Eric or something. Right. It very much feels like that. It is that level of surrealism where it looks good enough that once you get at at twenty feet, it's fine. At one foot, you understand what just happened to you. <laughs> and there's something about that I've always been drawn to that kind of stuff and I love all the different people that they get involved in these things see to me it sounds like uh, it sounds like David Lynch's uh, version of an escape room like, where there's I, just no point and it's really slow <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say parts of it aren't Lynchian um, I would say there are certain moments in it where it kind of stops being fun and you're like, uh-oh, they're really trying to give me a message here, um, where it feels especially Lynchian. Um, sometimes ah. it's just wacky. Sometimes it's not. Um, I know there's like a break room, and if you go in the break room, they say, congratulations, you are the employee of the moment. Enjoy. The moment has passed. Thank <laughs> you for working for the Omega Mart. Like, and you're like, what even is this? Wow. Um but yeah, that's what Meow Wolf does. There's a bunch of different exhibits, once again, that are there on top of the Omega Mart. But the main thing to talk about is the Omega Mart, which is um, full tilt. If your opinion on Cards Against Humanity is, um, I hate them. I don't know what the deal is, but the retail art exhibits they do are fun. This kind of feels like all of that, like just nonstop that uh, push to 11. Hmm. Cool. So with that, well, it's, Donald... It's- Tough to tough to follow that up. Wow, uh, yeah. it's, it's sometimes, but please try. <laughs> Bruce you, gets to go last from now about? on. So what I'm I'm excited about is uh, so one of the the podcasts I listened to the TV podcast industries said I know we said we weren't going to cover it but we're covering Invincible blah blah blah. Okay. So um, I listen to those guys. They're a lot of fun. They are not haters. They are here's what we find cool about things. Sort of like uh, this show. So if you like our sh- our show here, you might enjoy theirs if they're covering shows you like. But they've started covering Invincible on Amazon. And so I'm like, fine, I'll watch it. I'm all in. And Invincible is based on a superhero world created by the guy who created, what's the zombie TV show? The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. Yeah, that's it. Robert Kurtz. Walking Kurt. Robert Kirkman of The Walking Dead. Um, And it's uh, a family. A kid is getting his powers. And... 
it's not realistic because it's animated, but it's a, uh, it's a little bit more, uh, Hey, there's actual consequences to having superheroes around. Right. Yeah. Yep. It, it's not quite as bad as, uh, um, the boys, the, boys, the animated <laughs> series and the art style feels kind of like the young justice art stylish. Yep. The kind of thing. So, um, are you, have you all watched invincible at all? Is this something you're familiar with? I have not watched it yet, but I am familiar with the, uh, the comic books. With the comic books. Okay. All right. And I have watched uh, one episode. I've watched the first what? episode. All right. So, but you know, we, we're trying not to get too terribly spoilery about things that really, you know, matter on plot lines or whatever. Uh, though remind me, we do have a special segment before we get to our group chat that I want to introduce to the show. Okay. Um, but that this is pretty exciting. The cast on it is f- amazing. The art is really good. Um, it is bright and colorful and full color, sort of like your best superhero comics. Um, it gets a little dark in places and it gets a little bit, uh, if this had come out like a decade ago, you're like, Oh, I can't believe they went there, which back when the, the comic book really came out, it was probably pretty new and incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am enjoying it. I'm liking the uh, the family plot. I'm liking the superheroes plot. I'm liking the exploring your new powers for the first time arc. Uh, and I'm on to episode four at this point. And it's one of the shows that I'm going to sort of get up and, and watch every week when it comes out. It's uh, it's pretty neat. I like it uh, a lot. I don't ne- have nearly as much to say about it. I haven't done all the research that Bruce has, but that's why we have John here since he has read the comics. So John, uh, or or you know of the comics. What do you know about this show? Um, or this, the invincible, the property. Yeah, what do you know about the property? I, I, I know a lot of what you've just, you've just really said. It's a, uh, I know when it, when it came out, it was during a time when comics were doing, were trying to be really gritty and edgy. And this was uh, a nice refreshing take on everything. When it came out, everybody who read it uh, really, really, really loved it. Cause it was, it was just something very different. It was, um, you know, it's it's that the whole generational superhero kind of storytelling. Um, at the same time, like you, like Donald, like you were saying, really deals with a lot of the well. What are the, you know, what would be the real life consequences of some of this stuff actually happening in in this world? Right, and it does that without all going. Uh, dark and gritty. Right. Right. It's like there, there are moments, but it is still the larger than life superhero world. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but there's sort of the, uh, the hidden secretive underground about what's going on. And then there's the, the front facing part of here's what superheroes are trying to do for you. And, and it's neat. And in one of the episodes, they do a lot of, uh, superheroes versus other superhero battles as part of the plot, which I thought was sort of a neat way to, to show off what's possible in this world. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. Um, and yeah, I don't know how much more I really want to get in. Y'all want me to talk about or to go in about invincible. Um, I, I think being one episode in the thing I will say is this, and it's just rehashing what you've said, but I like to hear the sound of my voice is yeah. um, it feels like the best of what DC has put out quality wise. Uh, you know, Ooh, it yes. feels like, like the Harley Quinn cartoon where like there are moments in that Harley Quinn cartoon where it gets dark and you're like, Oh wow. Okay. This, this is what we're doing now. Uh, all right. This is how we're going to start out. We're just going to blow a dude up in full graphic color here. Uh, right. thank you. Warner brothers. Um, <laughs> 
and it does have that feel to it where it's high enough quality that you do not expect it to be so like visceral yeah and still it is so yeah no i think it's a it's an impressive watch one episode in and i won't say much else because i don't even know what happens but i will say that um if you're worried about kind of with the content that this wouldn't have gotten the quality it deserved it certainly did i'll tell you this that i was uh, connie didn't like the boys because of it's extremely graphic, violent nature. And I thought, well, I should pre-watch this <laughs> and, and figure out if it's so bad. And so we get to 75% of the way through the episode, maybe. And I'm like, oh, there's some violence, but it's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> but the last 10 minutes of the episode, and these are huge episodes. I mean, they're like 45, 50 minutes long yeah. for an animated show. But the end of episode one, uh, just... I, I sort of told Connie, here's what happened. And she's like, nope, I'm not watching it. Hmm. It's it's not a thing for me. And episode one ends on a, we'll just say brutal note. It's, um, it certainly does. And it's so different from the rest of the episode that I literally, so I was like watching three quarters and also working on a project with my hands. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh my, it, has it become a new episode? <laughs> Did I somehow black out? Because I'm like, I know I'm doing two things, but the other thing was literally like just gluing things on to things. And I was like, did I miss a whole transition? And I was like, no, this is still the same. Okay. I Okay. I didn't miss anything. And I think it was really smart for them to put that at the end of episode one. Yep. Because if you're watching stuff to see for your family, oh my gosh, what do you want? So for example, if you're talking about um, Trigun, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Tricon is light and friendly and delightful until you get about 13 episodes in. Yeah, yeah. And then it's not for kids anymore, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, it is aggressively not for kids. And yeah. same thing with Full Metal Alchemist, which is amazing right up until it is absolutely not for everybody. <laughs> um, and in this case, they get all of that out of the way. It's pretty exciting. And it sets up a whole subplot that's going to, I think, be the big mystery of what happens through the entire series. Where you go, wait, why did this happen? Because there are huge repercussions for the universe. And that's the other thing is they're not afraid. Like we talked about heroes on a previous episode where they were afraid to make any substantive changes from season to Mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's obvious that, you know, we're not afraid to make changes. This is all cartoon drawings. Nobody's uh, reputation is you know, latched to this show. Yep. No, none of the actors are going to live or die based on this voice acting work. We're going to do what we want to do. And for example, if you ever watched the good place, they have, Oh, the uh. ultimate Derek is part of this show. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, love hearing his voice. That character's a jerk. So <laughs> there you go. Um, but you'll, you'll hear people, you know, uh, the, the, the guy playing the Omega Omega man or whatever his name is, who's the Superman analogy uh, mm-hmm. or, or character. Uh, you'll certainly recognize his character or his, the actor playing him. And it's just, it's very well put together. And it feels almost like they said, well, we've got a lot of actors at home doing nothing during the pandemic who can do good sound. Let's let them do some good work. I don't know when that actually happened, but it, it sort of felt like they were able to recruit heavily on super skilled voice talent. Yep. So that's, that's invincible. So now there's something I, I want to do for future episodes if we think about it. Okay. It's sort of a check-in on previous stuff that we have talked about to see if there have been any updates or, you know, summaries or refresh of, of opinions. So, for example, Bruce, I know that uh, you had this big weekend thing and we were wondering, are there going to be more episodes? Has anything come out? Has there been anything else new 
um, on the weekend uh, video series that you were talking about previously. So for the weekend video series, um, and I'm trying to remember in time because it all kind of blurs together. Had he done the Super Bowl at that point or was it right before the Super Bowl? I think we mentioned the Super Bowl or that it was just about to happen. Okay, so he did the Super Bowl. <laughs> he spent his own money to produce his Super Bowl show. Oh my goodness. To which the world said, what the hell are you doing? Um, mm. He managed with the Super Bowl. If you had been following along the whole time, he gave you these great homages to things you had seen before. But he didn't carry the story to the end. I expected he was going to show up at the Super Bowl as the weird Joker version of himself and finish the show. And some part of him smartly said, oh, a regular America is going to watch this. I probably shouldn't do something that's that inside baseball here at the, the Super Bowl. But I'm going to be inside baseball enough that if you haven't followed what I'm doing, what I'm doing here also doesn't make sense to you. <laughs> um, right. It, like, and he did some great things like he managed to because a lot of people have talked about like how many artists he hired and how he managed to keep them safe doing the stuff he was doing by and large um, because he used sort of the bandages that he had been wearing as a mask for his performers. Mm -hmm. So he was, you know, full face, but all of them to cover their mouth and nose were done in his bandages, which if you knew what you were looking at, you were like, this is brilliant. He's put 200 dancers on the 50 yard line and he's protected them because they're six feet apart and they're covered in a mask. But mm. if you're just, let's say a football fan, you're like, why are 200 people in the 50 yard line wearing jock, jock straps on their faces? <laughs> um, so it just didn't quite work. And he also didn't get to the end of the story. If there is more past the last scene that we saw. So mm. he certainly like hit the front. And what I loved was, was for about a week, week and a half, two weeks, I could keep telling people about how great the weekend is and explain what the jock straps are all about. And, and a lot of people went, Oh, there's a whole story connected to this. I went, yeah, they went, well, he conveyed none of that. And I went, yeah, watching it. I was like, Hey, you have, you have neither gotten to the end of the narrative that the hardcore fans are looking at, nor have you explained what you're doing to casuals. So I don't know how this is going to work out for you, but I wish you the best of luck. Well, he got two mentions on our show, so that's worth a buck and a half. Exactly, exactly. So I do think it was a great performance. Um, I will. The last thing I will add is, is if you watched that performance and you were mad because let's just say like you're old and you don't get the weekend and you don't want it, <laughs> um, the performance you want to see is Miley Cyrus did the pregame show and they should have flipped her in the weekend. She did the show that football watching America wanted to see. She brought out Joan Jett with her and she brought out Billy Idol with her. And then she was Miley Cyrus the rest of the time and did the show that probably America wanted right now. And the weekend decided to continue to be experimental and strange. And I don't know that it really paid dividends. Well, how was the Miley Cyrus show? The Miley Cyrus show wasn't bad. Like I, I happen to like Miley. I've liked most of the versions of Miley. I didn't really like pop Miley at the beginning before she became like dirty, filthy Miley. Once she became dirty, filthy Miley, I suddenly was on board and I'm like, Oh, what are we doing kid? And she's doing backyard concerts with Dolly Parton and she's doing stuff with Stevie Nicks. And I think Miley has finally come in her own as like kind of dirty rock queen. Like that same place that Joan Jett is. Okay. Like okay. Joan Jett did songs about threesomes 
But Joan Jett also did I Love Rock and Roll. And whenever you looked at Joan Jett, even like 73-year-old Joan Jett right now, if she were to walk into a bar, break a whiskey bottle, drink from it, and then stab somebody in the face, you're like, well, that that feels believable. (laughs) I think that's kind of where Miley needs to position herself, and I think that's what she's trying to do, is to put herself into this, like, you know, I'm a dirty rock babe. Uh, I can sing uh, uh, an opera falsetto if I need to, mm-hmm. if that's what the song calls for. Uh, but also, I'm going to do it in really tight pants. And I think that is the perfect landing place for Miley Cyrus. I think that's where she's finding herself. Uh, so, yeah, if you get a chance to see that pregame show, if you didn't like what The weekend did, I think you're going to love what Miley did. You you should check out the uh, the Black Mirror episode with her in it. Um, that pretty much nice. That pretty much deals with exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that might have been where she kicked all this off for all I know. Yeah. It, it truly felt like, oh, this is this is a science fiction story, but this is definitely a the Miley Cyrus story right here. Nice. Right. So, uh, John, you've been on the show before. Is there anything that you've previously talked about that you feel the need to update us on? Um, let's see. What have I previously talked about? It was Nos- Nosferatu. The uh, Joe Hill. You did Nosferatu, and of course, you did Transformers on a pre fortnightly. <laughs> well, as far as Transformers go, I say everyone should go and check out the two Netflix series that are out right now: um, The War for Cybertron and uh, whatever the other one is. The second one, nice. whose name I can't remember out right of hand for some reason, mainly because it's part of well, you know the name's not as important as the yeah. Action. It's it's part of a trilogy, but the second part of it, um, I feel, is where it really really shines because it very much feels like uh, the Odyssey in a way, because it's the Autobots traveling through space, trying to find where they've hidden the AllSpark and all the things they encounter along the way. Um, plus at the very end, you get a spoiler f- or not spoiler, a stinger for the, uh, the third part that's coming out. I don't know when, but I'm really looking forward to it, which um, heavily hints that it's going to tie in with the Transformers Beast Wars series, which um, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm kind of nervous about that because I don't want them to mess it up because Beast Wars was probably my favorite of the um, series that came out in the nineties for Transformers. Mm. Nice. Nice. Well, all I have to say is it's a sad day when uh, Transformers have better name for their MacGuffin than than DC because you, you say the all spark versus the anti-life equation or mother boxes and all spark went hands down. <laughs> right. But we don't diss on things here. That's not our deal. Um, if you want to hear me complain about, uh, you know, uh, other things, I'm sure we can make another show for that. But uh, one thing I want to talk about is WandaVision is all wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and uh, so I have to say that uh, I'm of two minds on WandaVision, but, uh, both of them think that the show was excellent and wish that we had seen the non COVID influenced, uh, final full everything. Right. Cause I know that there was some stuff cut and things were changed because of, uh, mm-hmm. they were wrapping up or they were getting close to the end of filming when all that happened. Um, I know they cut out a battle scene, which had to have been better than the battle scenes that we got because it involved a giant rabbit of some sort. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> because yeah, anyway, but, uh, without getting too spoilery, I think that, what they did with WandaVision was they tried really hard to convince you that they were paying attention to all of the details and they signaled super hard that they were diving deep into deep lore for what was going to happen in the show. And that upset and annoyed a lot of people <laughs> with how it wrapped up, right? Yes. 
Now, if you take WandaVision without all of that insider baseball super knowledge stuff, and you didn't listen to all the podcasts like I did, <laughs> you didn't hear all of the theory mongering, uh-huh. it was merely a great show. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? This is an excellent show. Don't worry about the fact that this character has the name of another character in this other comic book and is associated with the comic of the, uh, these magical powers of that particular sorceress or this other thing or blah, 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 because none of that matters. It's an amazing story about grief and about, you know, a few other things, but mostly it's about grief. And I think it comes together very well as long as you don't try and convince yourself that every time they mention demons that it matters. Or devils, or, right? Or every time they mention a scientist. Oh, like, right, I promise, yes. Ooh, I got, oh my gosh. And, and <laughs> they signaled really hard that something important was going to come from that because they mentioned it like three times uh-huh. over two or three episodes. Right, right. And, and I think that maybe it was supposed to be somebody a little bigger, a little better, but also I believe that that was a thing that didn't get filmed. Right? Quite possible. Um, sometimes Chekhov's gun is just a gun and nobody ever <laughs> uses it for anything. Yes, but then you only mention it once at the beginning. Fair. You don't keep referring to it. It's not a threat, or it's a threat that lays over the story, <laughs> and it keeps the tension up, as opposed to getting people's hopes up that something is going to happen, and then we get no Reed Richards. I, I think that was more a Rorschach test for fans than anything else. Yeah. That well, totally I mean, was, you know. yeah. Which scientist yeah, do you see? <laughs> yeah, what do you see in it? Who do Which you scientist do you see? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's no, but you know what? Those are good ideas, y'all. Good work, family. But, so we uh, can but do. they were signaling really hard that, that there was going to be stuff happening that, that never was going to happen. And so I think that, that, but everything that did happen was amazing and great. Yes. As long as you just accepted it for this is where we're going. Yes. Right? And so I would say if you haven't watched WandaVision and we probably haven't spoiled too much about it for you, go through, enjoy it. You should have a lot of fun with it. As long as you understand it is mostly not a story about beating people up. And is mostly a story about uh, a person's massive amounts of grief that they are dealing with and somebody trying to screw with them while they're doing so. Yes. And I think it's another case. Marvel has been doing this for a bunch of movies where they're saying like, yeah, it's superheroes, but superhero stories can be not superhero stories where they're like, you know, we can do uh, a buddy cop movie. We can do a movie about espionage because all <laughs> of that happens in comic books. Right. right. And we can do a heist. Yeah. Yeah. We can do a heist movie. We can do like all these different genres that you don't necessarily think of as a, you know, a comic, book. comic book movie. Yeah. yeah. We can do. And I think some people are like, where's the, when's the super guy going to beat the other super guy? And you're like, oh no, no, this one is all about them trying to steal this jewel. Yeah, but like, why can't we just steal and kill? And why aren't we throwing people? Well, like in this case, it's not really like you just can't come and like hit it with a hammer. Like you got to figure some things out. It's about hacking into the system or whatever garbage they're telling me. But like the dude's the size of an ant. Let him alone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just let this one happen. Well, I don't know why Hulk is so funny. Uh, because like it's a buddy cop movie. Like that's what we've decided to do. Uh, Thor and the Hulk are allowed to just be like buddy cop friends, and one of them can just uh, be done with this crap because they're about to retire, and that's all that's allowed <laughs> to happen. Um, yeah. I think that's definitely what this was. Was this was another like let's show you we can do this weird, uh, twisted, multi-layered, 
a parfait of a show where mm-hmm. not only are we giving you a superhero story, but we're paying homage to television, which mm-hmm. you didn't really think we'd do television well. Like they did a whole bunch of things. I thought it was cool. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think once again, I just think they were trying too hard to prove to people that they were paying attention to Marvel backstory. Yes. And so loved it, loved it, loved it. Yep. Um, which brings us to, I think, our big group chat, because I believe we've all been watching The Falcon and the Snowman and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Heck yeah. I have also been watching The Scarecrow and Mrs. King. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, first thought. So, uh, what is your initial thought? Bruce, start real quick. What do you think about it? So, uh, here's what I thought. If you had a problem with WandaVision not being superhero enough... They waited a week and fixed it for you. <laughs> uh, now you feel like you're right in the Marvel you meant to be in. We've got characters you recognize with symbols that you have a friend that has tattooed on them. Um, we're dealing <laughs> with those kind of issues. And then out of nowhere, let's have a real serious discussion about race. Yes. Uh, let's just do that for a minute. Right. Um, Which I like to see, honestly, I like to see this sort of media tackling that kind of stuff and like making that real in a very like visceral and borderline painful way. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, by and large, if you thought like it was just the other thing was a little too German film for you, they came back and got you this time. It's a right down the middle of the strike zone superhero story. John. Oh, man. So as an old school Marvel nerd myself. This show is awesome because there's so many things they're pulling from, but putting it together in a really well done way, which I felt they did with WandaVision as well. So when you're talking about how, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to prove to people that they know the, uh, the Marvel lore and backstory. Well, that, that appeals to me, but this, this really appeals to me because it's hitting on some of the characters that I really loved like way back in the day that I have felt like have not gotten the attention they've needed. Plus it's hitting on a lot of storylines that I always thought were interesting in the comics, but they couldn't give as much attention to. So this pulls on, mm-hmm. so, you know, this pulls in a U.S. agent. Oh, excuse me. John Walker, who is the uh, new yeah. captain America. I'm not really spoiling anything there. They, they threw that in our faces well before the show came out. Um, which, uh, Love U.S. Agent. He is such an interesting character in the comics. Um, people, I think they've they've made the char- I think they've made him better in the series than he ever was in the comics. From my little exposure to him, mm, uh, as for as, right as, now, as far as the character, <laughs> yes, oh yeah, for right for, now. But I mean, as far, as far as as far as getting you to be sympathetic for his character with right. episode two. Right. And all, all of this yeah. pull and a lot of the show pulls on the, uh, the, the theme of there was a, a storyline going on for a while. What, who, who will wield the shield when, uh, when mm-hmm. Steve Rogers in the comics had retired or whatever that happens. Like, I don't know, every couple of years, Steve Rogers retires, but there was a big thing about who will bear the shield. And you had this thing. Is it going to, you know, for a while there, it was, is it going to, Bucky or is it going to Falcon? So we had a couple different Captain Americas for while they're in the books. Um, so seeing that play out in the way it is in the show is great. And then they pull in, um, you know, the deep dark secret of there were some secret sol- super soldiers after Captain America that the government 
kind of tried to hide. And that's, that comes from a really fascinating, um, you're talking about race politics and stuff that comes from a really fascinating, uh, comic book series that I highly encourage everybody to go out there in comicsology and read called, uh, red, white, and truth. It's a great read. Is it not red, white, and black? Uh, No, it's red, white, and truth. Don't (laughs) Okay. No, I thought I've heard people refer to the storyline. Red, red, white, and black. Um, that's what it was called. But. See, and that might be the the title uh, inside the book. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. so red, white, and truth. Gotcha. So now I'm gonna double check or what that. they call the storyline. I don't know, but yeah. Right, right, right. I, I wasn't meaning to be insensitive. I really thought that that's what I'd heard people say it was called. So I've got to say, you all both suck at giving the you know, hey, I liked it or I don't. Mm-hmm. This is my real, not deep, because you've given a lot of excellent points. <laughs> and, and it's very intriguing and, and, and I don't disagree necessarily with anything that you have said. Um, but I was just going to say, yeah, I really like it. It was exciting and fast. Um, and it starts with some amazing explosions. Yeah. Oh my first gosh. Scene of the first fight scene of the first thing, it almost went on too long, but it was not speed racer race long. <laughs> it was, it was, oh my gosh, this is, this is Marvel saying, look, this is everything you want from a superhero movie plus guns. <laughs> yeah. So, so my wife, who is not by any stretch a a Falcon fan, she there's a moment in that first part where she's like, "This is this is awesome," and then she goes, oh, "Red Wing." <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. No, that right. that is. Super- <laughs> I'm gonna, I do I do want to note one thing. There is, and I'm not going to give anything away except for at one point we go to Baltimore. <laughs> I live yeah. in Baltimore. They didn't do it right. Um, oh, no. I know oh, that no. Baltimore has now become like America's Beirut. That's what we are now. Like if you wow. go to 80s Beirut, they send you to Baltimore now. And the scenes, there's like a shanty town right next to like a house people are living in. And that's not what Baltimore's like. I'm not saying that both things aren't in Baltimore. I'm not saying there aren't like made out of tarpaulin, uh, like areas where people are. There certainly are, but they're not like in the backyard of like a house. Right. Um, I'm, I just want that noted because my, well, my wife and I okay. were like, "Uh oh, we're going to Baltimore. What's this going to be? Huh. And uh, part of the stuff that makes it real difficult and hard to follow. We were or hard to swallow. We were like, oh, yeah, that's pretty on point. That's pretty, you know, that feels right. So I've, I've got, got some feedback for you on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daredevil's Hell's Kitchen is nothing like the current Hell's Kitchen. Oh, so, oh yeah. You yeah. know, you've got, you've got post-incident, post-other stuff that's blown over. Other things have happened. So it's not going to be exactly real. Plus, you've had the five years of the blip. Right, exactly. You've got, got other things, all right? The other thing is, is that you know nobody's going to mess with that guy's house. Oh, No. because it's possible that he is an island of niceness because of him. Because if you mess with him, bad things will happen. Yes. And so, so you've got outside agency. I understand if what you're looking for is a, this is a current real lively Baltimore as we know it. Now, Marvel is never actually set in our now ever again because of the blip, because of the invasion, because of all that. So with that filter, can you see that being part of a Baltimore? That it certainly could be. All of the stuff that we saw are all different elements in Baltimore. It's just as a person that lives very close, uh, the only times you see us are if we win the Super Bowl, because we're <laughs> never going to win the World Series. If right. we win the Super Bowl, the wire, 
and this appearance in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> so I feel that need to step in and say, like, yes, The Wire is very much a story of Baltimore, just not all of Baltimore. I feel the need to say for this, all of the elements you saw are all very real. You just wouldn't see them in the exact same space. The, they are in the tapestry of Baltimore. Yes. But, uh, yes. They're not on the same square is all I'm saying. Cause that was like, it immediately hit my wife and I, we were like, Oh yeah, that's right. And then like, as the camera turns, we're like, Oh, those wouldn't be together. Uh, it's sort of like right. when you see wonder woman and the air and space museum is in DC. When yeah. you're from around here, you're oh, like, no, yeah. it's yeah. not, <laughs> no, it's not DC residents hate that. They have to like rent a car to go to the air and space museum. Like it upsets them. Cause they're like, we have the rest of it. But if I want to see a rocket ship, I got to like get an Uber. So I will say though that when when I lived in downtown Oakland, um, that uh, that there there were patches where where you had, and so I, I shouldn't be defending this. I'm just saying is that there <laughs> might be places, uh, you know, where your planes are up against your uh, your clay pits where you dig out your bricks. That's oh, all I'm saying. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm just saying this particular picture. We were like, hey, this all doesn't right. being it's not common being four miles away from where this should be shot. This doesn't feel every single part there, though, does feel real. Even the things where you're like, oh, this is hard to watch. This is gross. You're like, oh, no, that's Baltimore. <laughs> that's definitely they got everything so right that I feel the need to note they wouldn't necessarily be all in the exact same place. But gotcha. every single piece, even the ugly stuff is definitely on point. All right. Well, so my final thoughts on it are I can't wait to see where it goes. Yep. It is dealing with race in an interesting way. Um, educational uh, and sort of, you know, frightening in the way that, that it should be, mm -hmm. um, as far as people who might be learning this, you know, like that's, that's not real. Or I can't believe that they're dealing with Sam having to go get a loan from the bank. Uh -huh. Like, no, no, this is a very, very important part of, of the story. And I love that they're taking it. Oh, the other thing I do feel the need to warn people about is you don't get the Falcon and the winter soldier together in the same screen during the first episode. Just don't worry about it. Oh yeah. They're never together in the first episode. And that was the biggest complaint I heard of the first one. I'm like, just deal with it. You need your introductions. Yeah. Get past it. It doesn't matter. The rest of it's good. And so, yeah, I've seen all four of the current episodes that are out. I still really like it. Um, I like the character building and I cannot wait to see where they go. And obviously the question is who could have the shield? Who will America accept having the shield? What's going to happen in the long run? Um, is it really valid as a symbol? Um, and then, of course, all the other stuff behind it in the background. So, Indeed. Can't wait. Final thoughts from either of you? Um, for this, I'm going to say I am curious if what this show does in the next couple episodes is going to have the societal impact that the television show The Watchmen had. Oh, Interesting. Is it going to go to a place where people go, oh, there's no way we really did that. What? <laughs> this was real? I I wonder if that once we really get into what's about to go down, what it has to be, is are we going to get that same, like, is the societal attention going to go like, there's no way this has to be a comic. It's not a comic. It's not a comic book. It's not. The comic book took real life. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious to see if that's what we get, but beyond that, I I've been really impressed with it. I really, really like it. I'm enjoying it a lot, John. Okay. Well, first off, I want to say, uh, Donald was a little right. And I was a little right. The book that I was talking about is actually called red, white, and black truth, but it might be truth, red, white, and black. Okay. Um, but that being said, 
Um, I'm really looking forward to show. I'm looking forward to the weirdest things from the show. Like I, I'm like, Ooh, what type of Avengers are we going to get coming out of all of this? Mm-hmm. Um, it, to me, it's less about, well, who's going to wield the shield after this? I'm like, well, what type of Avengers are we going to get out of this? Is this going to be that uh, we've entered in the phase where now we have, here's the unfortunate gritty truth uh, type of Avengers that, you know, not the Avengers we want, but the Avengers, the Avengers we deserve kind of, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, I'm hoping that we get to see some, uh, some, uh, Thunderbolts coming out of this. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think, I think unless one of the people from this ends up being the leader of the next Avengers, which is, I guess, as likely as anything, I don't think that we're going to fill, see people from this show filling out the roster of the Avengers. It's, it's hard um, to tell. I think we're getting that from the other shows. So, but I could be wrong. It, it I is. Hope, I mean, yeah, it's, I like it's hard to I've tell. <laughs> I'm excited for the ride though. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I think uh, this episode's gone a little longer cause I added bonus segments, but uh, thank you everybody for continuing with us on this exploration of things we find fun and exciting. Um, John, mm-hmm. where can you be found um, on the social internet? Hey guys, you should check out the swarmcastpodcast.com. Actually, it's the drop the the from that. So it's just swarmcastpodcast.com. We talk about games and all sorts of stuff. And we have this little uh, kobold who runs around and uh, sometimes erases half of my interviews. But hey, you know, that's how it goes. And you should look for me. Creatures for the win. <laughs> you should look for me out there as um, at kobold dude or just kobold dude. And Bruce. Uh, let's this time. Let's say, uh, find me on Twitter at Bruce Thinks. Uh, that's where I talk about, uh, meow wolf and drag Queens and professional wrestling. Um, so that's as good a place as any. And how about you, Donald? Uh, clear. Let's knock it out. Tell us all the places uh, to find you in the show and all that good stuff. Well, you can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Walsfio, and you can find out more about this show, the people who make it, um, and our other shows over at inversegenius.com. And you'll also find our links to our Twitters and whatnot there as well. All right. Well, I'm Donald Dennis. I'm Bruce Vogue. And I'm John Manus. And you've been listening to the Inverse Genius Fortnightly. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. Thank you.